This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. India's central bank is acting tough on its buy now pay later or BNPL companies. One reason is what happened with this guy. Hi, I am Ratnesh Kumar. I am a freelance tech writer and a tech blogger. Last year, Ratnesh used the BNPL app to take a loan of 12000 rupees. He repaid it in three neat installments, all in time. Naturally, he expected an upgrade. But when he checked on the app, a personal loan offer of up to 140000 was showing at the top of the screen. Out of curiosity, I tapped the banner to see at what percentage of interest I was getting the personal loan and I tried to check the EMI plans and without any further confirmation the BNPL company disbursed a loan of 140000 rupees you mean to say that you were just checking for EMIs and you got saddled with a 140000 loan yes that's exactly what happened okay me. i tried reaching their support team and asked if they can cancel the loan but they denied leaving ratnesh with a debt he did not want and one which he would have to repay over 12 months at an interest rate of 36%. Ratnesh told me that after several failed attempts at reaching the company, I tweeted the entire matter on Twitter and the tweet went viral. In a matter of hours, the company reached out to him and within a day, the loan was taken off. Ratnesh's predicament is the same as that of millions of people that are sucked into the ever-expanding BNPL universe. A universe of companies such as Zest Money, Lazy Pay, Early Salary, Jupiter, Slice and Uni, which sell bite-sized short-term loan products to people to pay for everything from phones to televisions to grad school courses. Notwithstanding the popularity, these incidents have exposed grave issues in a sector that is almost entirely unregulated. Issues of transparency, of delinquency, defaults and data privacy. And they have put these firms on the radar of the Reserve Bank of India. It's now coming up with a very stern set of rules to control the way they lend. Last week the RBI dropped a teaser of what is to come and the fintech firms have since then been in an absolute tizzy tech ecosystem is losing its sleep over RBI's 20th June notification which bans loading of PPIs or prepaid payment instruments via credit lines on before what does this mean digital wallets and prepaid cards issued by a slice or a uni cannot be topped up with credit in effect this means that fintech companies which are non banks cannot issue credit cards this one rule will impact up to 10 million users in the bnpl universe for better or worse and this is just the tip of the iceberg one rule among several in a large framework of norms on digital lending that the rbi will announce soon It's Thursday, the 30th of June. From the Economic Times, I'm Anirban Chaudhary and you're listening to RBI Ain't Buying BNPL on the Morning Brief. 
In this episode, we explore if the RBI's new norms will put the brakes on the booming BNPL business. Now, RBI's tough love for digital lenders isn't an act of haste. To really understand what brought this on, we have to take a few steps back in time. So uh, let me take you back about two years ago, just at the height of the pandemic. That's Saloni Shukla, my colleague and ET's banking ace. We had a sudden rise in unregulated lending loan apps, especially through the Google Play Store. That rose to limelight largely because there were a lot of issues of suicide cases and local police getting involved. These predatory loan apps were charging um, astronomically high interest rates and customers um, didn't read the terms and conditions. They weren't able to pay. At that point of time, the state and the enforcement directorate got involved, especially a, a lot of these cases had come up in the southern part of the country. Sandeep Koregaon, a resident of Mumbai's Malad, killed himself over fake loan app. Five people committed suicide in metro area on the outskirts of Hyderabad due to harassment of money lending apps which mainly belonged to China. The top cops were called in. Also, this was the time RBI was contacted and they were asked for their views on these loan apps which were unlicensed and unregulated. Uh, During the same period, parallelly, the RBI was also working um, on fintech regulations. It had already set up a six-member committee in January of 2020. And these people were already working on ways to regulate the segment. The six-member panel that Saloni mentioned investigated the murky network of the fake loan apps. The panel's findings were staggering. The panel spoke about how they looked at about more than 1,100 apps across several app stores, and they found out that 600 of them were fake. So clearly this was a big issue that the RBI was facing. That was in 2020. The incidents alerted the RBI to the urgency of regulating the sector. Around this time, BNPL started getting big in the Indian e-commerce landscape. Global players like Klarna, Affirm and Afterpay had already taken the credit-driven Western markets by storm. Tech giants like Apple and Amazon entered the space. In India, Paytm and Flipkart opened lending units. And new entrants caught the collective fancy of the Indian Gen Z. Paytm Postpaid. Paytm now, pay later. Just select Pay Later and check out with Lazy Pay. Pay Later on Amazon. You have it? We just didn't know it. The Postpay is about 10 lakh credit in a minute. Download Postpay and give it to us. A far cry from the fraudulent apps that the RBI was investigating, these were young, debonair tech brats flush with dollars from wealthy investors. For instance, Zest Money counts Dutch payment services giant PayU as an investor, while Lazy Pay is funded by global investor Lightspeed Venture Partners. Naturally, the segment grew very fast. 
some of the top players, the top five challenger cards, as uh, fintechs as we call them, were almost issuing one million cards a month. That's my other colleague, Taruj Bhalla, who tracks startups at ET. Now, this is way above the industry average that banks were doing at a certain point of time because one million cards in a month translates into 12 million credit card users in a year, which would hypothetically be the growth of the Indian credit card market. And reports show that BNPL's growth is even higher than that of UPI's. Now, one, of course, can argue that UPI is a much, much larger base of customers who are using them and Indians using them. But still, it it's really growing at the pace of a 600% in 2021, a 550% in 2020. And that's after the fact that banks were not doling out loans during the pandemic. To put this in perspective, India has only 300 million unique credit card holders from banks. That's 3% of our banking population. The remaining 97% was what BNPL players could potentially target. Such was the growth of these digital lenders that even the regular banks, several times their size, got really wary. A very senior banker, uh, Mr. Uday Kotak, had made a very interesting statement. He said that, you know, my biggest fear is whether I will have a bank tomorrow or not. With this insane growth and popularity came a fresh set of riddles, more refined and complex than those concerning the Chinese loan apps. The fintechs were simply intermediaries between borrowers and a large number of banks, mainly smaller financial institutions, the non-banking financial companies or NBFCs. The fintechs marketed loan products and challenger cards, so-called because they challenged the hegemony of bank credit cards. But this was a marketplace. Who was lending to whom? Whose liability was it if the customer defaulted? The fintechs acquired customers. Did they store their financial data as well? What about data protection and localization? And who were these customers? What was their demographic? Did they have any credit score? What was the risk of default? Srinath Sridharan is an industry consultant, a CEO coach, and an independent director at the Fintech Association of Consumer Empowerment, or FACE. FACE is an industry body of fintech lenders and BNPLs. This actually makes Srinath the best man to explain the pain points of this segment that has the RBI worried. So I think very clearly, first one would be transparency. I mean, if you tell the customer, hey, this is what you're getting into, what you get is what you sign up for. We'll have to solve for it because uh, this industry is all about consumer trust. You cannot go and tell the consumer, hey, I told so it was in a small font on the second page of your app. You didn't notice it. Uh, won't cut ties. Two is, um, how are you actually assessing credit? I mean, that's a question that regulators are going to ask again and again. If it is a loan product, it is about creditworthiness. And what is going to be your source or what kind of algorithm uh, are you using to understand credit and underwrite that credit? Third, more importantly, as um, this industry grows, is saying where is going to be the deadlines that you're going to have uh, to borrow 
are you going to lend and if you're going to lend where is your actual liability pool coming from uh, just as a perspective but for the banks others can't take any deposits so where are you going to access your liabilities from and if it is from the same banking system you're going to borrow and do onward lending what is the risk that the overall banking system is being put to so we will have a scenario where an unregulated digital lending system would put additional weight on an already overburdened banking system thereby risking the stability of the country's overall financial grid all this could spiral into much larger issues if there is a sense of indebtedness that it could create in the young demographics i think we will have a challenge and more more importantly from a fiscal regulator any level of high level of indebtedness could also become a national security issue that's a worry that rbi will always continue to have and that's something that we have to respect rbi's decision with globally too central banks are turning their bdis and the heat on digital lending firms the uk central bank for instance is tightening rules and checks on bnpl firms In November 2021 in its draft rules on digital lending the RBI pointed out business arrangements as per which a fintech firm would pledge to repay a certain chunk of the loan if the borrower defaulted to the NBFC that would transfer the credit risk onto the books of a digital lender that is not under any regulation the RBI called it the rent and NBFC model the bottom line as far as the RBI was concerned was this banks could issue credit cards and give credit lines anyone else would have to come to the central bank for permission and license the rbi is now giving final shape to the rules but the process is complicated earlier this year when it asked for comments on the draft from banks and fintech players it got a total of 800 responses that's 800 queries issues and recommendations that it has to sift through before it finalizes the rules to understand how complex this entire practice will be let's just take the tip of the iceberg the circular in the news now which players will it impact so if you ask me about whether a bnpl player in the market today will be impacted if let's say 95 of percent of their disbursements or a large part of the disbursements is not through a prepaid card or an instrument they for now sustain and their business sustains but if there are players of the likes of let's say a slice uni which are have been giving loans all predominantly through a card physical card instrument now that is the area that rbi is saying that hey maybe i am not very comfortable with this where the axe is hanging at least for the moment is on the challenger card segment where if you have 80% or 90% of your business where credit is doled out through a card through a ppi instrument now that's going to be really hard for you because you've conjured up your business plan on the challenger card mm okay so a zest money which doesn't issue challenger cards is safe but a slice which does issue those cards is not right no because the other differentiator in this is which entity has issued the card or the prepaid payment instrument ppi 
In other words, whose bank identification number does the card have? Bank identification number or BIN? The first four digits on your debit or credit card which traces back to its issuer. Now, this is important to understand. Why? Tarush explains. So there are two kind of bins or bank identification numbers as how they partner with the ecosystem. One is the PPI ones, which is also regulated, given the licenses from the RBI. And they partner with those players with bank, while sitting in the middle with bank being the provider of credit, fintech being the customer acquisition mechanism, and the PPI through which it's given is another entity. Now, these are the likes of Transcorp, etc., which have gained a lot of prominence also through this use case of card-based credit, is as we call it. Transcorp, based in Delhi, started as a tours and travel company, diversified into Forex, and then dove headlong into digital lending. So, when you get a credit card from Transcorp, the bin would trace back to Transcorp. A credit card tracing back to a forex and fintech company, not a bank. Dicey? You bet. Which is why this is the segment the RBI Circular primarily targets. Now, those individuals with the PPI bins are absolutely impacted. There is no second doubt about it because the RBI is clear that non-banking is what it has said. So, those are out of the system. Okay. So, which are the other kinds of challenger cards? Those issued by banks. Now, the the second bit is the bank bins, right? Which is where the PPI instrument is also licensed and has the license of the bank. A bank such as the State Bank of Mauritius, one of the biggest supporters of digital lending firms in India. So, that's where the aspect of co-branding comes in, where you say that, this is a visa slash SBM slash, I would say for an for a example reason, Jupiter card that's coming onto the market. So there are three entities here and the final bin of the PPI is off the bank at present. Now that is the gray area that I think banks as well as fintechs are trying to understand whether that's okay or not. As per the written lines, it should not be affected. And that's why you see certain players like Slice and Uni still continuing to support these cards if they're not disbursing a lot more cards any longer because of the regulatory uncertainty which has come in. They're definitely ensuring that the support is not gone. And this clarity is important to get because it could make a difference between whether some of the biggest BNPLs continue their business or change their business models or shut down. But is this the only point of clarity required in this tiny part of the problem? No, sorry, not so easy. You see, just because the State Bank of Mauritius has issued a card does not mean it's funding all the credit top-ups on it. That money is coming from multiple banks, NBFCs. This the RBI does not like, because it leads to one of the fundamental questions that have been irking it. Where is the money coming from? Now, how are the fintechs reacting? Some of them have buckled under pressure, Tarush tells me. 
We've already seen two, three players, which you've just reported last week. Naming them would be Jupiter, Credit B, Early Salary, which had rather prepaid cards and not really bank bins, as I explained earlier, who have already started stop support with immediate effect. They've temporarily halted all transactions on those cards, and they're still taking a wait-and-watch approach as to what comes out. The fintechs have also gone to the RBI in a way in consultation and said, hey, listen, this is too immediate. We need to have at least six months or a little bit of a timeline to execute this. And that's important for them to either close the accounts or tell the customer saying, we will not be supporting this use case. We're moving you to a use case where you have the credit line and we have partner merchants where you can use this credit line. But the industry knows that once RBI sets down the rules, it has to comply. Srinath tells me. FACE believes that we are going to have onset and slew of more regulation that are going to come up. We believe that RBI, once they've made up their mind, will give you a patient hearing, if at all. And the decision is there. So there's no point. You'll have to anyway start complying. And mind you, this rule actually said from the very next day. Yeah, it, it did not put a deadline of saying that three months out, six months out. It actually said on a specific day, stop now. And we also believe um, that this is not a new rule at all. Since the master directions already existed, why did we miss it? So my question as a professional from the industry, not as a face constituent at all, is this. Um, each of the banks and fintechs have advisors who are from the regulatory space. Um, it is very, very basic that you have to do stress testing of all these regulatory anticipated changes. Uh, and here, I think RBI has clearly proven that um, uh, devil is in the detail we missed. It. So this is where we stand now. The new set of rules will be announced any day. And they will be stern. I don't think it is it is going to be light touch. The RBI by light touch means that it will not get involved directly in the regulation. It will ask banks and NBFCs to do the heavy lifting. And that is how it will be. But at the back end, the regulation is not going to be very simple. It's going to be quite stern, uh, as we have heard. Uh, there, there is some uh, a legislation that is planned for money lending. A lot of these companies are unlicensed credit card players. There will be a licensing that will happen of these companies. Remember in April of this year, the RBI had issued uh, credit card and debit card guidelines and it had specifically said that any non-bank lender who is issuing a credit card has to come to it and get licensed. The RBI, it has a proper fintech department right now set up at the start of this year. So that department will look at it. There will be proper governance standards that will be set in that the banks and the NBFCs who are dealing with some such firms have to make sure and are there, make sure that they are adhering to these guidelines. There will also be rules regarding predatory pricing. Remember, RBI never gets into pricing. It doesn't even ask banks and NBFCs about the rotation charges that they charge from their players. But we are hearing now that the RBI is specifically going to look at pricing and maybe set out caps on what sort of charges could be levied upfront disclosures. They are going to be very important that banks and NBFCs NBFCs put out on their websites at which are the fintechs that they're dealing with, which is the bank or the NBFC at the back end, where the loan is. So yeah, it is no longer going to be light touch. There will be deep regulation as we see. As Tarush tells me, the RBI is not trying to ban digital lending or BNPLs. It is just trying to regulate the way loans are given digitally. 
It's about how credit is doled out digitally and not whether it should be doled out at all. Banks and digital lenders will continue to lobby against each other in this massive market worth several trillions of dollars. But the latter will have to prove themselves as sellers of credible financial products that deserve our trust and our money. That's all for today. You've been listening to RBI Ain't Buying BNPL on The Morning Brief. This episode was produced by Surbhi Modi from The Economic Times and Swati Joshi from Awaz. Sound editors Rajas Naik and Indranil Bhattacharji from ET and Sondarya Jayachandran from Awaz. Executive producers Anupriya Bahadur and Arijit Burman from ET. Do like, share and subscribe if you like this episode. The Morning Brief airs every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. This is your host Anirban Chaudhary wishing you a very good day. Thank you. All clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.